It all comes in a sort of selection, I think, at the start. And then if you're selecting the good good produce uh, off a trusted supplier or direct off the boat in some cases, just treating it simply is key, you know. Just taking the time to cook it correctly. It, it sort of starts from when it comes out of the water and how you treat it uh, before it goes onto the plate. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. One of the beautiful things about a career in hospitality is the ability to travel the globe, obtain skills and return to your roots to raise the game in the region you grew up in. But with the worldly experience, what's it like returning to the fold? Nick Marluk is the owner of Soda Fish Bar and Grill in Lakes Entrance, Victoria. Nick, how are you? Good, Huck. How are you? Good. You've uh, had a pretty stellar career, but you you grew up in uh, Lakes Entrance and returned to the fold as a way of putting it. What's it been like um, going back to sort of the region you grew up in to open a restaurant? Well, it's been amazing, really. Um, look, just just getting back there with old friends, family, and sort of a, a network that was already set up was was amazing and we, we did it in a time where you know everything was sort of turned into shit in melbourne so it was a really great time time to get back there really even if it meant sleeping on people's couches and staying at your parents-in-law and you know all those bits and pieces with a couple of kids it was it was still great <laughs> well tell us about that decision to to make that move how did it come about well, I was, I was exec chef at Atlantic Restaurant at Crown. Uh, I'd been there for a few years and the whole COVID situation kicked off and I thought, uh, what am I going to do now? I had – my wife was pregnant with our second child and I had a bit of annual leave up my sleeve, so I thought, oh, I might take a little break now. It's a good time to sort of part ways. I thought I'd given Atlantic enough and I thought I'll – We'll have our child, you know, I'll take a couple of months off and I'll, I'll get another job after, after she's born, you know, it'll be easy. And then <laughs> it kept going and going. I thought, oh, Jesus, I better better do something now. I started looking around and there wasn't as much opportunity <laughs> there as there as there used to be. And it's it's always been something that I've wanted to do, you know, start something from scratch and build a new team from scratch and – you know, and I love Lakes Entrance. You know, I've, I've always wanted to go back down there, and I saw opportunity to to start a restaurant down there because there's so much great produce down there that I think is a little bit unknown. You know, and I've always loved seafood, and I've, I saw an opportunity <clears throat> through a friend of mine that um there was a there was a floating restaurant up for sale and and sometimes when you think floating restaurant you're like oh here's a here's a gimmick and a bad story waiting to happen <laughs> but this one I thought was great you know it's it's an old it's an old passenger ferry from Raymond Island um, in Painesville in Eskipsland yeah it's really cool and and my school friend that I grew up with for years his parents run it as a cafe and fresh seafood shop and they've been trying to get out for a while and and me and my wife and my sister and my wife's brother all decided to thought, you know, it's a good opportunity. You know, we can buy fish straight from the trawlers and there are next-door neighbours on, on the 
on the fishing wharf and the same wharf we tie up on, it's great, you know. And we thought, yeah, we can just do simple seafood done really well, you know, in a beautiful environment. And that's sort of, that was our business model. (laughs) And here we are about a year and a half later. What were the challenges involved in um, starting your own business from scratch like that, especially one that's a little bit unique, like the one that you've landed? Well, uh, you know, it was an established business. So, hand, like, doing the sale and handing it all over and, you know, all the sort of legal stuff, you know, that that was pretty hard. But my brother-in-law was pretty, pretty savvy at that, so he helped out with that. Um, setting something up in a town where you can't just, you know, roll on down the chef's hat and get what you need or, you know, call the suppliers that you've been dealing with for 15 years and get what you need. You're dealing with people that, you know, do two or three day a week veg deliveries and once a week dry goods and, you know, and then dealing with fishing boats who literally go out when the weather's good and come back in at 3 a.m. in the morning and, <laughs> and put put a box of fish on your, on your back deck. But... um you know, all those sort of logistical things and, and building a network that I, I sort of used to have, but you, you need to solidify that network and build relationships again in that town. That that was pretty challenging. And then the the story of the staff, you know, that that's a constant, but that's always going to be there. You grew up in the, the region. Take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did, did food and produce of the region play in your family when you were a kid? Well... I sort of um, my mum and dad have the local. Well, they used to have the local winery in Lakes Entrance, and um, I sort of grew up, you know, riding around on the on the three wheeler and scaring birds away in the vineyards and washing <laughs> wash, washing dishes out the back in the cafe that they ran there, and uh, did a bit of time on their cruise boat. And uh, my sister, who I'm in business with now, she was the chef at the winery and. I started work, work, <laughs> working with her sort of right back when I was like 12 or 13 and I was pretty much just giving her the shits back then. I think I pretty much am now, but <laughs> nothing, nothing much has changed. And, um, you know, me and my mates used to just go out in the tinnies and go fishing and go camping and, you know, sort of, you know, not living off the land, but, you know, we'd just, you know, make fun for ourselves on the Gippsland Lakes and that was sort of, the fun part of growing up there and you, you got a real appreciation of of what was around and the environment you're in and it, looking back now I sort of took it a bit for granted you know we, we were in this amazing amazing pristine waterway where you know the boats went out fishing it was, it was just normal you know I did a couple of trips with my, my sister's partner out on trawlers and stuff and I just thought it was the coolest thing just going out there and seeing everything that they brought in and and then sort of fast forward a couple of years my my sister had a had a restaurant in the main strip of lakes and we and her partner was a, a deckhand on a fishing trawler um, so we would just trade mixed bags of or mixed bins of fish for beer because you couldn't really uh, trade money for for fish it's it's against the law so but it's legal to do slabs of beer and whatever they didn't sell to market we used to just get you know ockies cuttlefish john dory's little school whitings um red mullet you know things like this heaps of flathead and that's sort of, sort of where i like learned to get around to fish a little bit and you know 
learned how to cook it at my sister's restaurant, which is great. You ended up making the move to Melbourne at a young age. How different was the commercial kitchens of Melbourne to what you grew up with in your, with your sister's restaurant? <laughs> oh, just, yeah, it was chalk and cheese. Like, I thought I knew, knew a little bit, you know, coming out of, you know, what, a pretty good kitchen in Lakes Entrance going down to the big smoke, but... Um, I walked into Stokehouse and I think I cried my first three shifts after, after work um, just because it was so different, you know. I think there was about 10 chefs working a shift and I was in the corner like cleaning 20 kilos of calamari and peeling prawns and then just getting, you know, trying to get through service. But um, it was definitely a learning experience in that kitchen. It was, it was a great kitchen to be in though. Working with uh, Morris Esposito straight up, he taught me some really, really important things about seafood, and you know, let me learn off him, which which was great. We spent a decade in that kitchen. Um, tell us, do you have any stories of that that speak of the time and experiences you had there? Oh, look, it was a it was a long time there, and you know, one one of the things that really really kept me there was. The fact that you you were always learning um, under different chefs, and then just the sort of the chef de parties, and you know the sous chefs and the, the apprentices that all went through there were just such good people. We had such a good culture of you know people going through there. Everyone was welcomed. Everyone was professional. You know, every, everyone loved a you know little drink after work maybe and a socialise. But it was. It was a really great environment to be in, and with the front of house as well. Like it was, we were all one big family there. That was pre-fire, but you know, it's it, it was just an amazing place to work, and that that's why I stayed there for so long. You know, you ended up being head chef of the Stokehouse Cafe. Um, tell us about um, what it was like taking on that role and and putting together the menu as well. Well, that was my first sort of head chef role when I moved downstairs. I sort of, I think I ran out of stuff to do upstairs. So I thought, oh, we'll put him downstairs and <laughs> hopefully he stays with us a bit longer. <laughs> but um, yeah, curating your first menu is always a bit of a challenge, I think, for anyone who's done it before. You, you step out of that comfort zone of, you know, coming up with a special here or there to actually putting your name behind something and uh, following through with it and, you know, putting yourself on the line a little bit. Again, we, we, we had the support of upstairs and all the support of everyone around us launching that place, but, yeah, very challenging at the same time. A lot of eyes were on us and it, it took, a, took a long time to get up and going until, you know, we were sort of happy where we were sitting um, with our quality of product going out and, you know, all, all our staffing levels and the consistency and all that sort of stuff. It, it was it was a hard slog for a year. One of the one of the toughest years I've ever done. But um, then it burnt down. So, so <laughs> after that, it was easy. <laughs> well, the menus that you created were influenced from your travels in Europe and South America. T- take us on those journeys. What, what sort of influences um, were there on your on your food from those trips? Oh, look, just simple stuff and a lot, a lot of stuff done over charcoal. Um, like I remember in South America, I, I went on a trip with the with my friends from school, like my high school best mates, and we went to Argentina and stuff like that. And the the stuff on the Parisia and you know the the lambs cooking and having big hunks of meat, and then 
like uh, stuff in Italy and Spain, like the seafood over charcoal there. It's just, and then it's sort of, it always sort of brought me back home to Lakes Entrance, you know. You could just imagine those red mullets over charcoal or, you know, some sardines or something over charcoal and it just sort of, that nostalgic stuff always sort of, always brings you back home and I know it's, you know, that cliche always produce driven and, you know, all that crap, but it sort of, it sort of is when you've got that uh, great produce and, I believe if you, you just add a little bit of charcoal to it, get a little bit of flavour and you dress it simply or, you know, serve it with a bit of olive oil or something like that, it's just it just sort of speaks to itself. And then when the concept for the cafe at the Stokehouse was sort of pitched to me, it's like, oh, that, that sort of fits pretty well. It's We had a rotisserie, we had a like a Parisian grill and then we had a Josper, sort of one of the first Jospers that came into the country and we are like, oh, wow, this is going to be great and, you know, we had a good fish supplier and we were doing some great vegetables and stuff over the charcoal and stuff. It was just, it just sort of fit me to a T and, yeah, was <laughs> that, those travels and my story in Lake Central sort of all came to this moment where I thought, oh, wow, this is meant to be. And it all just happened like that. You mentioned the fire uh, in the Stoke House. What sort of impact did that have on you and your career at the time? Well, it sort of put a bit of a stop to it for a little bit. And I think it was good. Um, I just, you know, I've been going at Stoke House with the Van Handels for about 10 years and it was great and everything was good. Cafe was really starting to click and it was in a good space. But, you know, sometimes you need those circuit breakers to just put you on the next you know pass and it was it was pretty pretty uh it was pretty full on you know like that joint burning down and my involvement with it I was just you know like me and me and Anatui sort of were the last people to leave that place you know we shut off the gas we evacuated people and then just watched it burn to the ground and you know it was, it was pretty emotional like, like she'd been there for 18 or so years I've been there for 10 years and we just sort of watched it all crash down and I don't know. The next few months, we just sort of, I don't know, we, you know, had a few drinks and, you know, just thought about the last few years. And I don't know, it was just, it was a major sort of milestone in our life. And um, we did, we did a pop up on the site and we set up the city site, but eventually those things didn't work and we moved on. And I sort of, after that Stokehouse sort of picture ended, I sort of took a little bit of a break from, sort of serious cooking you could say and I did have I looked after a pub for a little bit in WA and that was that was a good little break for me and I stayed in this bloke's house at the pub owner's house and I, I had a great spot next to the river there and in Dalkeith I was I was living it up but that <laughs> was, was only a few months stint but it was a good little break and I did a little bit of time in a on a on a boat up in the Kimberley and I was the chef on a like a, a cruise boat and just stuff like that, it just sort of, I don't know, it was, it was working, but it was like so much fun to go out and, you know, do stuff like that. Like the Kimberley is an amazing place. I don't know if you've been there, but it's just, you know, the colours and the nature and the, the story about it all. It's just beautiful. What sort of food do you cook on a cruise boat in the Kimberleys? Oh, just something to fill them up, you know. <laughs> my go-to go was an Anzac cookie slice for morning tea, which kept them pretty bloody happy. And then, you know, just they did a lot of fishing. So we're cooking a lot of barramundi and some, 
you know, some sashimi uh, queen fish and mangrove jack and stuff like that on the barbecue. It wasn't too fancy. It was just it was stuff to just fill them up and not not fill them up, but just good food that uh, they they would hopefully catch. And then a few staples in between it. You know, he'd put on a roast or two and cook them some nice breakfast. But you know, it was more about the experience for him up there, and it was the experience for me too. It was the um. I really nailed it one day. The um, the air conditioner went down just before we before we left for a trip. Gave me the chance to get ahead on on the prep for a whole day, and just worked ahead on a day and a day. And then I'd always go out on cruise ships on the little tenders just um, just to uh, see the sights, see the birds, see the um, see the fish, and all that sort of gear. So it was it was a really good experience for me to get up there. It was great. You ended up as the executive chef at the Atlantic restaurant. How did that come about? Um, the person I mentioned before, Anna Tui, she goes, look, Donovan's leaving. Do you want a job? And I said, sure, why not? <laughs> and then I, I went and got the job there. But um, I was sort of um, – Anna's been a pretty big influence over my career. She's a, She was a head major day at uh, – the Stokehouse, and then you know, she was the general manager at Atlantic, um, and now she's the general manager of hospitality for where I work now. But um, yeah, Anna got me on there. We took the food in a little bit of a different direction from where Donovan had taken it. He's a he's very refined and very uh, technique driven, as well as project. I, I don't like describing other people's food, but you know. We, we sort of had a little bit more uh, laid back and casual approach to it, but still in that sort of you know high end environment, which which I think you know pe- people received quite well, and it was a, it was a really good experience working there over three or so years that I was there and working with some again amazing seafood, uh, the seafood that you know. Fr- from a boy doing, you know, mixed bags in Lakes Entrance to using the best fish and seafood in Australia, some amazing produce from Queensland and WA and South Australia, like everywhere, you know. It was it was a real, real treat to see all that great produce coming through the door and have the ability to, to serve it as well because you're doing high volume and high end like that. It's like there's something for sort of every market. We can serve crayfish and caviar to one person and you know some sardines from port phillip bay to another person it was it was great was was there any um species or dishes that you know speak of your time at the atlantic that you can tell us about um well there was all sorts but I, i really loved getting back to that uh to the local stuff you know to to sardines and you know and white bait and uh you know, corner inlet gear like the the Tommy Ruff out of corner inlet or the Bay or you know some King George. I always love King George. It's a bit of a bit of a Rolls Royce for me. But um, yeah, I just love cooking King George over charcoal. Just a little touch on the grill is beautiful. It's so delicate, but you can just give it so much with just a a little touch of charcoal. I think it's great. Cooking uh, seafood um, beautifully is a real art form. What's your sort of tips on on getting it right? Oh, well, it all comes into sort of selection, I think, at the start. And then if you're selecting the good good produce uh, off a trusted supplier or direct off the boat in some cases, 
just treating it simply is key, you know. Just taking the time to cook it correctly, you know, not cooking it too much, uh, letting it rest. I think a, a lot of people sometimes, uh, like you do with a, a big cut of protein, like a meat or a, uh, like a beef or pork or something like that, you need to let it rest. And same goes for fish, I believe, like especially on the bone. You, you want to cook it, but then you need it. Give it a little time to rest before you before you eat it. It's very important. Um, what we were talking about: cooking methods, <laughs> cooking and storing storing methods uh, are one as well. You know, keeping it dry. You know, so you can get a crispy skin if you're after that. Um, you know, it's you know, we could go on and on about um, cooking methods, but it's it, it sort of starts from when it comes out of the water and how you treat it uh, before it goes onto the plate. I hear you're quite a handy fisherman, a defending champion of the Naruma Oyster Festival fishing comp. <laughs> Tell us a bit about your love of fishing and the connection you have with the produce. Look, if you ask anyone but the Naruma fishing comp, um, or Naruma Oyster fishing comp, was it? They'd say I'm a shocking yeah. fisherman. <laughs> But I do like getting away with my friends and throwing a line in, you know, or just, you know, putting away in my little boat that's tied up soda fish and going to drink a couple of cans and trying to hook a couple of whiting out in, uh, out in the lake there in Lakes Entrance. But, um, you know, it's all, it's all about getting the line wet and talking a bit of shit with your friends, I think. That's what it's all about. Or, or to, you know, and, and these days it's taking my kids out, you know, and don't get to do it often enough, but my daughter's just turned five and loves getting, love getting tangles in her, you know, fishing rod. So that's always a good fun day out, <laughs> trying to untangle her mess. But it's good. It's good time spent on the water. Soda Fish is on Middleboat Harbour in Lakes Entrance. Tell us a bit about the, the local seafood you're using and, and, and the offering that you have. So we have our staples down there, right? We have our uh, octopus, which we get off Mitchelson's. They go octopus fishing like half the year. So we process that all through the year and freeze it down and prepare it to, to use all the way through the year. So that's always a staple. Uh, tiger flathead's always a staple. You know, that's, that's the main catch of the trawlers down here. Um, we use a little bit of... Uh, like red mullet sometimes, John Dory, uh, Rockling sometimes, Gurnet or Latchet, um, sort of just all that mixed bag stuff that comes in with the flathead. Um, we also get some fish from the inlet. We've got a fisherman that lives in Lakes Entrance but uh, works in Corner Inlet in South Gippsland, so we've got a good line on King George Whiting. Uh, we get some calamari out of there. Um what else do we get out of there? Some, sometimes we get rock flathead when we haven't got flathead from Lakes Entrance, so it's a good little alternative we've got down there. So, you know, there is some really stuff that's on there all the time, but then we mix it up with just whatever sort of mixed stuff they're getting in, and that's the stuff the boats sell us mostly because they'll send whatever off, whatever off to market and then we'll sort of scoop off the good stuff from the top, you know. We'll just say to them, give us, give us the stuff you caught in the last couple of shots and – a few bins of flathead process, you know. So um, we've got a good relationship with a couple of trawlers down here and a few fishermen and, yeah, it's good. Oh, I forgot about sardines as well. We've got Mitchelsons that do <clears throat> uh, great sardines. They're just they're beautiful. So whenever they go out, we grab some fresh or <clears throat> even the IQF frozen stuff, their sardines are just 
beautiful. So <clears throat> we'll always try and have some some sort of uh, sardine or something like that on the menu. They do a nice little bay trout or Aussie salmon as well. We've had smoked on the menu, which goes down great, to be honest. Yeah. Is it is it different running a restaurant in a, a regional spot like that compared to something like the Atlantic, which is, you know, right in the centre of Melbourne? Well, yeah, it is. Like, in, like, say in Atlantic, like, I like to use, you know, Port Phillip Bay stuff and Corner Inlet stuff, and we use Lake Sentient stuff anyway, but sort of trying to be sort of Victorian focused, but Lake Sentient is, like, just Lake Sentient focused, and as much as we can, as 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 much as we can, we've got really great, um, really great growing flats around Lindenow and Bansdale for our uh, fruit, uh, vegetables mostly, or green leafy vegetables as well. So we've got a real fruit food bowl down there, um, and it's about the relationships down there as well. Like being from Melbourne, you know, oh, Melbourne wankers come back to come back to lakes and they probably still say it about me, but, you know, tr- trying to get in touch with um, local people down there and, and build relationships so you can get the best po- possible produce and, you know, build a community around your restaurant as well. I think it's, I think it's really important. And that's where like, I've got a head chef there now who lives and breathes the local area and my sister's lived there all her life and she manages the floor and has influence in the kitchen as well. And, with those, with that team there running the place, it's it's just um, it's invaluable. It connects us to the community and, and it keeps us keeps us there. So that's that's probably the most important piece of the puzzle right there. If, if opening a restaurant during this time wasn't a big enough step, you've also taken on another role just recently. Can you tell us a bit about it? Well, I've, yeah, I've. Yeah. I've taken a role. <laughs> I'm just trying to think about what how, how I could best describe it. <laughs> so I've taken a role with um, a group called Public Hospitality. They're based in Sydney, um, and they're all about uh, buying pubs and and getting a good food and bev offer in there. So they've got they've got about twelve under their belt or so at the moment, mostly in Sydney, a couple in Melbourne, a few in the Northern Rivers in New South Wales, and. Um, and we've just launched our first sort of relaunch this week. Uh, so it's been a pretty pretty full-on few weeks for me uh, launching into that. But it's a, it's a really good environment to be in. And, again, I think I'm working with really great people. So it's sort of the next chapter for me. I think a bit, bit in Sydney, Sydney life. So <laughs> it's good. It's really good. So I, I'm looking after all of culinary for this, for this group. So... Another challenge for me, but you know, it it, sh- it should be a good one. And good people around me again, like I mentioned, like Anna and uh, Anna and Co. So that should be great. This uh, reconnecting with your roots, with the lake entrance sort of area, and you've got a young family as well. Has has that sort of reconnecting had an impact on you? Well, yeah. Like through COVID, it was like I was I was the I was the stay at home parent um, first and foremost for my eldest daughter, and then after we launched the restaurant in the second bout of COVID, I was again the primary care for our youngest daughter, or both of them, you know. Um, and having that time with them, I just I still think of it as just like the best time I've ever had in my life, like. That, there was definitely challenges, but to to be able to spend that with my young family, I just I, I would wouldn't trade it again for the world. And, you know, even now when I 
when I go to work and I fly up to Sydney for three or four days at a time, I, I, I miss them so much. But uh, I'm always so appreciative for that, for that, for those first few years I got to spend with them, one on one. You know, changing all the tapies and cooking all their food and cleaning up all their mess. But um, yeah, it was it was great. And I think without you know without COVID and all those challenges that we faced as an industry in hospitality, I would have never have got that. And I just, I just couldn't thank COVID enough for it, you know. <laughs> but it was, yeah, I know that's a pretty funny thing to say, but it's, you know, you've got to find silver linings in things and it's the best silver lining I could have asked for. You've built a, an incredible career with a real amazing focus on seafood. What is it that you love about what you do? I don't know. It's a good question. <laughs> Look, I really love what I built in Lakes Entrance and um, I always like going back there and, you know, I mentioned before I've got a little little putt-putt boat that I tie up to the side of soda fish. I love going out in that and having a meal in the restaurant and, <laughs> and having a couple of cans with the chefs out the back and, you know, and, and seeing it really, uh, really... You know, I, I love seeing the people who work in it be happy in the, their environment and running it successfully and you know, having a good culture in that environment. And I really look forward to my new role, to building good culture in the new role and, and building a really big team with uh, great bones in it, you know. like it, it, It's a funny thing. I think team and, and culture is a really important thing for me and and that's what i sort of pride myself in i think well nick it's been an absolute honor to have you on deep in the weeds today to hear a bit of your story um good luck with the pub group and of course with um soda fish as well um please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon thanks Steve, for having me Huck. it was great to talk this is the deep in the weeds podcast i'm anthony huckstep Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.